You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. So tonight's just going to be a standalone lesson. Uh, This is not a series of any kind, uh, but I just felt uh, to teach uh, this lesson tonight. And there, throughout uh, my time as a father of young daughters, I've found myself at different times. Um, uh, I'll, I'll make a little confession. Um, a, this is an apostolic church, and I believe in all things apostolic, but um, I, I, I dance with my daughters from time to time, and uh, and. A lot of times we, they'll they'll put their feet on my feet, and uh, we'll either dance or I'll turn them around and we'll walk uh, with them. Now that they're a little bit older, it doesn't quite work out the way it used to. So there's only one that I can really do that with now. Uh, but maybe you've had a similar experience where you've you've put you know a child on your feet and you've just walked with them, and, and it's, it's a, a fun deal to do. Tonight, I want to speak on this subject, walking in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. And I want to read a passage of Scripture you're all familiar with if you've been in church any length of time, if you've grown up in church and in Sunday school, certainly you've, you've heard some of these passages But I want to read this. We're going to look at this uh, and try to pull out some things that I hope are are beneficial to you in your walk with God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, But I say, walk by or in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me start, stop right there and just make a little disclaimer. I'm going to use the word by and in. They're going to kind of happen interchangeably, but uh, depending on how you use those words, I believe it gives you a context, it gives you a picture uh, of what I believe Scripture is trying to tell us about this. So when we say walk by the Spirit, all right, a lot of times if you learned it in the King James Version, you learned it, walk in the Spirit, right, walk in the Spirit, And so that has a certain connotation to it that we could dive into, and that's good. If I, in the English Standard Version, in a lot of modern English versions, it says, walk by the Spirit. And so uh, that also has a connotation to it, and and one that I feel like might be a little stronger, maybe it it resonates better with me. So I'm I'm probably going to lean towards walk by the Spirit uh, tonight. But why why does it matter? So he says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why does that matter? He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. How many have experienced that in your walk with God? That the, the spirit in you uh, wrestles with your carnal desires. 
But he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, he spent a whole length of time talking about the law and how it was really uh, not, uh, I won't say necessary, but what he was trying to say is that circumcision did not save them. If you want to follow the law, then you got to follow all of the law. And he's, he's arguing this point. He says, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So what does the desires of the flesh produce in our lives? They're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. All right? And I warn you, he says, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The works of the flesh produce this type of behavior. So that comes out of carnal desire. Then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such there is no law. You could not create enough laws to produce this in your life. And he says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, so let's dive into this because we're talking about walking by the Spirit. So he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul's diagnosis of the conflict that confronts every Christian begins with the command, walk by by or in the Spirit. And he says, I promise you, if you walk in step with the Spirit, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so again, we talked about the the translation of that, by the Spirit, but versus in the Spirit. And both of those can be used and have a, a, a great way to to kind of look at it, but both this idea that we walk by the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh is both the command and it's a promise. And they're conditioned on something Paul said earlier and which we did not read. He said, you were called to be free. Okay, I want you to hold on to that idea. You were called to be free, so walk in the Spirit. Now, the world flips that, doesn't it? Says, if you want to be free, walk by your flesh. If you want to be free, be a drunkard. If you want to be free, 
have whatever kind of sexual impulse you want, and you're free, right? That's the, that's the flip side of it. That's how the world, call, how the, the world identifies freedom. But Paul says, if you want to be free, walk by the Spirit. Now, the biblical scholar... Timothy George talks about Galatians 5, and he uses four, and he points out that Paul used four distinct verbs to designate the spirit-controlled life of the believer. And so I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. I'm not going to do anything to you, all right? So close your eyes for a moment, and I, I, I want you to imagine yourself, if I said walk, all right? You see yourself walking. If I said, be led, be led, if you're being led, you're, you're, you see yourself in a certain way. If, if I said, to live by, or I said, keep in step, keep in step, you see somebody near you, or maybe you think about the analogy I gave you at the beginning where your feet are on top of, of your parents, and, or somebody, and you're keeping in step, you can open your eyes. So Paul said to walk in the Spirit or walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. He says this in Galatians uh, chapter 5. And each of these verbs suggests a a relationship kind of that is Uh, a dynamic interaction. It's a direction. It's a purpose. It has a very specific connotation to it. Now, when we look at the word walk by the Spirit, now this is uh, a present tense imperative. Uh, Peripatite is the Greek word, and it indicates an active walking. It's in progress. So it's not an event that happens once. It's, it's as if you are doing. He says, walk in the Spirit. Not like take a walk and then go home, but walk in the Spirit. It's, it's a part of what you are doing. See, Paul had earlier commanded the Galatians uh, uh, of how they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit by hearing him preach the Word of God. And hearing him preach the message of Jesus Christ and the cross. And so here he's exhorting them to continue to walk as they had begun. So as they had been filled with the Spirit, as they had surrendered their heart to the Spirit, so continue to do that in their everyday lives. And if they would continue to walk by the Spirit, they would not be halted by the fleshly appeals of the Judaizers, of those who were throwing away any kind of of, uh, boundaries for their lives. He said, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And... This is the only occasion in Galatians where Paul talks about the word walk in this sense. But in the broader scope of the Greek language, the word there, walk, and I thought this was interesting. Again, Timothy Gregg uh, mentioned this. 
in its wider usage, the Greek word means not only to walk, but in a general sense, had to mean to walk around after someone or to walk in a particular direction. So uh, the example is used about Aristotle, where his students were known as peripatetics, and they were called that because their habit was to follow this philosopher from place to place as he dispensed his teaching. So they would follow him where he went. And in, in Paul's vocabulary, to walk by the Spirit or to be led by the Spirit means to go where the Spirit is going, to listen to the voice of the Spirit, to discern the will of the Spirit, or to follow the guidance of the Spirit. I talked about this in a message in 2020, but I, I'm fascinated with the emerging technology of the exoskeleton, and it's just wearable technology that has a lot of benefits to our world and medicine and uh, the military and industry, and it's these skeletons that you wear on your body that allow you to do certain things that you might not be able to do, and it's made up of hydraulics and motors and different things, but it's, it's, in, it's designed to give you strength, and these exoskeletons provide this strength in different areas. You can see the, the, in medicine, uh, it, it can be used to help people who cannot walk. Uh, it can be used in uh, industry uh, to, to help bring strength. I think we've got a, a picture of somebody who's kind of working on a car who is sitting down, but they're not really sitting down. They're using the exoskeleton uh, to, to assist them. And then in the military, they're starting to use these things to, to help soldiers, give them strength in their body, to help them walk up mountains and to, to carry double or triple the weight that they would normally carry. And so we see this, this exoskeleton, this idea that, that it gives strength. It allows for something they couldn't be. And people say that your faith is a crutch. Anybody ever heard that term or reference that your faith is a crutch? I would say that there might be some truth behind that. And it's for good reason. I need a savior. I need a God. I'm not self-sufficient in and of myself. I am not complete without God. He is the source, and therefore, I trust him. Do I understand everything about him? No. Do I understand why he does everything the way he does? No. But I can trust him with my life. Isaiah chapter 46, quickly, verse 3, says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he. And even to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. And this is a modern picture to me of what it means to walk by the Spirit. The Spirit empowers me to be something I could not be on my own. 
So I walk by the Spirit or I walk in the Spirit. We're carried by the Spirit. We're assisted by the Spirit. And we are connected to where the Spirit is going. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But he said, but the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like. Things like these I warn you and as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can be free from walking by the Spirit. You don't have to walk in step with the Spirit, but this will be the work of your life. But he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, or the outcome of a life walking by the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. The Spirit gives us strength to be that kind of person in the world. And tonight I'm just going to highlight quickly one of those fruits of the Spirit. I'll highlight the last one mentioned, self-control. We can look at all of them and we could do a deep dive really on all of them, but I find this interesting, self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit it's translated in English as self-control. It's not translated spirit control. And the idea of self-control is pretty important if you think about the human body, the, the importance of self-control just in your physical body. While your heart seems to do its own thing, we also know that the heart can go its own way and kind of get out of control. Our eyes are controlled by our thought in our body and we have this sense of control and we have control over our hands. Our thoughts control our hands and our feet and our mouth and what we say. And when things are out of control, when things are just left to their own way and they just kind of do their own thing, it's very devastating to the body. It's very devastating to us. So you, you could list all kinds of different diseases where the body loses control. And it's devastating. And I think this is the comparison that Paul is making here. That when our flesh is out of control, it has no choice but to be destructive. But with the Spirit of God, it, we are who we're supposed to be in God. Today I have, it goes in and out, I got a little twitch on my eye. Anybody ever had that little twitch on the eye? It's just been going in and out all day. And you realize I can't, I literally can't control it when it starts. I don't know how to stop it. All right, and I looking in the mirror today, and I'm watching it just twitch. I'm like, 
What is going on? All right? I guess it's not really messing with my eyesight any, but it's just a, a, a great example. When something is out of control, it impacts you. you. You know it, and it has the potential to be destructive, and it can be much more serious than my little eye twitch. But just like physically, something is wrong spiritually when we can't control ourselves. And so the Spirit comes alongside of us to say, I want to help you find self-control. Because the lack of self-control is destructive in our lives. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 Paul talks about self-control very specifically. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we in an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And he values this idea of self-control. So the word self-control in the Greek language means to hold oneself in. It's the idea of inner strength. And in some of your Bibles, Galatians 5 doesn't say self-control. It says temperance. Temperance is this idea of restraining your passions and restraining your desires. Literally restraining your instincts. And so self-control means holding oneself in, inner strength. And why does God want us to have this? And I mentioned it because without self-control, we are destructive. If you do not have that fruit in your life, your life can become destructive. Proverbs chapter 25, 28 says this, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. That word walls means walls of protection. And so, self-control is what allows us to protect our lives. Without self-control, think about it, You're left unprotected from the enemy of your soul. And we lose control of our mind. We're overthrown by lust, pornography, hatred, anxiety. We're overthrown by food and drugs and alcohol. We're overthrown by media and social media, our phones our devices, those kind of things. And self-control doesn't seem like that big of a deal until you see what it opens up in your life without it, and it's destructive. When there's no self-control in our lives, we've seen how destructive our speech can be. Relationships are destroyed. Because we lack self-control. Whether it's with parents or friends or relatives, siblings, co-workers. I've watched people sever relationships and create so much 
angst in relationships just on a ball field or in a basketball court because of the lack of self-control. And we can't, many times with the, la- with the lack of self-control, we can't control our envy. And it leads us to impulsive buying and unnecessary shopping and gambling that is out of control. And our time wastes away. And our time gets away. And our future is plummeted. All because of a lack of self-control. And here's what I want us to understand tonight. The best version of you is not you. The best version of you is not what your flesh can create. The best version of you is the one that is led by the Spirit. That's for me too. It's the version of you that allows for the fruit of the Spirit to be realized in your life. I mean, really think about it. If you met the embodiment of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Has anybody met that person yet? I did. I met Kristen. I got it. I got it. Y'all want me to say that. But the best version of you is the one that is led by the Spirit, the one who walks by the Spirit. And it's no wonder the enemy wants you to just let your desires go and constantly pulls at you to try to let your personality out But the spirit-controlled version of you is the one that is made in the image of the heavenly man. It's the one that is born again. It's the one that's dead in your trespasses and sins but made alive in Christ Jesus. So I want to read 2 Peter chapter 1 because self-control, just one of the fruits of the spirit, but self-control leads to the best version of you. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. We are called to be made in His image, in His glory and His excellence. Verse 4, By which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through Him, through them, You may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So the best version of you is the one that takes on the divine nature and not the one who just lives out sinful desire after sinful desire after sinful desire. He says, for this reason, make every effort... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue 
and your virtue with knowledge and your knowledge with self-control and your self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I don't have time to dive into that whole passage, but that just stood out to me, that we could become so nearsighted, so focused on me, myself, and I, that I can literally become blind. Has anybody ever use their cell phone, and you're like reading it, you're reading it, scrolling, whatever, and then you look up and you can't see anything? Like, it's all blurry. (laughs) Thank you, JJ. Somebody's being honest in here, right? That's the idea that we've become so focused on us, nearsighted on us, that we're literally blind to what God is doing. And so we do have the opportunity, even as Christians, and I believe Paul is saying this, you have the opportunity to live a life that is not in step with the Spirit. I have the opportunity to just allow my flesh to do what my flesh wants to do. We can live without boundaries. We can live without borders. We can allow our lives to just be full of decisions made by our happy flesh. But if we're really going to be who God wants us to be, and if we're really going to impact the world around us, we have to walk by the Spirit. And this is why spiritual disciplines in your life are so powerful. You being here tonight is very powerful because you told your flesh, and I guarantee I don't even have to, I know you, you had a list to do tonight. You had things you could do tonight, but you told your flesh you're not in control. And that's why our prayer, our fasting, our Bible reading, our giving, our sharing our faith with other people is so important that we don't let our flesh dictate who we are in Christ. We let God's Spirit in our lives be the one who leads and guides our lives. And so you have a little handout there tonight. It's uh, just a form for you to keep. But I'm inviting you in the month of May. I'm inviting you in the month of May to to commit to some spiritual disciplines in your life. I believe God's going to do some amazing things in the next few weeks, both hearing the word in the next few weeks here on Wednesday nights and in our revival. And we, and we can just go through and just do our thing, or we can tie into what the Spirit is doing, and no doubt it'll be a completely different experience in the month of May. And fasting is one of those things 
that, yeah, it requires a little effort. Requires a little push to do it. But why do we fast? Why do I pray for the express purpose of being spirit-controlled? I want to make room for God's spirit in my life. And so Paul wrote throughout the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't have time for this, but if you look at Matthew chapter 17, you'll see where Jesus cast out a, a, a demon who was in a child. And he called, uh, the, the, the parents wanted the disciples to do it. They couldn't do it. And finally, Jesus cast the demon out. And Jesus called them a faithless and perverse generation. He said, how long will I be with you? In verse 17, how long shall I bear with you? And he brought them there. He rebuked the, the demon and it came out and the child was cured. And the disciples asked, why couldn't we n- not do that? Why, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, assuredly, I say, if you had had faith as the grain of a mustard seed, faith, you could have done it. Then watch what Jesus ties to faith. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Faith comes when we discipline ourselves in, in prayer, in fasting, in obedience to the word of God, that builds our faith and makes it possible for us to believe for the impossible. And so in Galatians, Paul points this idea out and he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, I, uh, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when what we read in Galatians 5, he picks this idea back up. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the flesh, let us also keep in step, or if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if we were born by the Spirit, and we believe that, we believe that we come to life by the Spirit of God, the breath of God breathes in us. And if we live by the Spirit, then he said, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So he's going back to what he said. If what was started in the Spirit You must continue by the Spirit. We don't receive the Holy Spirit and then we forget about it and we just do our own thing in the flesh and we just let our desires run rampant. No, we continue to walk in step with the Spirit. And so I conclude tonight that if I'm going to really walk in step with the Spirit, I have to crucify my desires 
And that's a challenge for all of us. And that's something we all have to evaluate every day of our lives. You know where the enemy comes in. You know where your own desires come into play. You know where your mind uh, goes at certain things, certain times, whatever that is. But I believe that if we'll do what we can to crucify the desires to that cross and walk by the Spirit, that we will live a very fulfilled life in Christ. And so, if I were to, to just encourage you tonight, I'd give you three quick things. Identify your weakness. Understand your weakness. Don't just identify the symptom, but identify your weakness. James said, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then that desire, when it is conceived, brings birth to death, sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so we have to identify the weakness and don't lie to yourself. Identify the weakness in your life and then grow the influence of the Spirit in your life. Grow the, in, grow the influence of the Spirit in your life. And that's where those spiritual disciplines build your faith. Prayer, fasting, giving, Bible reading, witnessing, all of those things grow your faith. And if we walk in the Spirit and we allow the Spirit to have influence in our lives, it will produce fruit. And the last thing I would say is, and I've said this in different settings, but keep the light on. Keep the light on. Stay accountable. Stay accountable in your life because your flesh is always going to war against the Spirit. First day of creation, he said, let there be light. At the end of time, he said, there's going to be no need for sun, moon to shine, for the glory of God is going to give it light. My garage light in my house, the garage light has two settings. One is a motion uh, sensor, and another is I can turn it off and on. I got annoyed with the motion sensor because if I wasn't moving quite right, then it would turn off. So I just turn it on and off now. But I realized when it comes to the Spirit, I need to keep the light on. And when there is motion in my life, there should be accountability in my life. And I believe that God gives us each other, gives us the body of Christ to help us. And so we don't just turn the light off on when we're here at church and we feel the Spirit. No, we walk in the Spirit. The light is always on. You can stand with me tonight. Galatians 5, 24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So I ask you this question, and I'm just going to have you take 30 seconds with the person next to you. In what ways do you feel challenged to grow the influence of the Spirit of God in your life? In what ways do you feel challenged to grow the influence of the Spirit of God in your life? Is it in... Do you need love? Do you need joy? Do you need peace? Do you need patience? 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? What is the influence of the Spirit of God in your life? Where is it needed in your life? I want you to just quickly tell somebody where you, where you feel like you need God's Spirit to grow in your life. I'm pretty confident tonight that we all could identify some areas of growth where we need the Spirit of God to influence our lives. And we have to allow God's Spirit to work in our lives. I want to read for you Galatians 5. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation, so you're going to hear it a little bit different. And maybe these words will, will resonate with you in a different way or just highlight something that I believe God might be speaking to you tonight. So Paul said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Because ultimately, the fruit of the Spirit impacts those around us. And I want to pray for us tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for 
just the confidence we can have in your word. I have no doubt tonight that, God, you have highlighted some things for some people in this room and those watching online. Some areas of their life that maybe, God, their carnal desires have been winning. Their carnal nature has been winning. But Lord, you are calling us to crucify our passions and our desires at the cross. Why? Because you have created us for much better. And the best version of us is the version that nails our flesh to the cross and allows the Spirit of God to have free reign in our lives. That's when we're truly free to be who you've called us to be. I pray that in these next few days, Lord, there would be some decisions made some spiritual disciplines committed to that you, God, will have free reign. We'll push past, God, our flesh that is trying to, to, God, be contrary to the Spirit of God. And I pray that the Spirit of God would have victory in us. Call us to prayer. Call us to fasting. Call us to reading of your word. God, speak to us when we're with people to witness and to share our story and our testimony with them, Lord. We want to be people of the Spirit, Lord, people who walk by the Spirit. We thank you for this. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.